You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Doc G, and welcome back to the Earn and Invest Podcast. Today, we ask the question, have you ever thought of becoming a digital nomad? Well, should you? It was on a trip in Mexico to Playa del Carmen that I first entertained the digital nomad lifestyle. I was working in a hospice leadership position with no direct patient care responsibilities. The main hindrance was my weekly 12 hours of meetings often done in person. But couldn't I do these virtually while sitting on the sandy beaches of some tropical paradise? The lack of proof of concept was soon remedied by the scourge of a pandemic. Indeed, I could work virtually, but by that time, travel was severely restricted and my kids were old enough to be ensconced in their own lives. My aspirations no longer fit the reality of my life. Was it all just a big dream? Is it for you? Gabby Wallace's career has spanned more than 20 years. She's grown from an ESL volunteer to a university professor working in Japan and the USA to a corporate English trainer, as well as a university program coordinator. She is the founder of the Go Natural English platform, which includes a blog, courses, and over 2 million YouTube subscribers. At 19 years old, Amberly Grant fixed up a 1997 Hyundai Accent and drove from Ottawa to Los Angeles. She spent the next decade working odd jobs, starting businesses, and slow traveling the world. She now is a corporate senior project manager, landlord, and financial independence enthusiast. Kitty Walders is a dedicated developer with a passion for creating memorable experiences through accessible and maintainable web applications. She enjoys using technology to help solve complex problems. She is also our test case today. Her interest in financial independence has led to a dream of taking her skills on the road to become a digital nomad. Gabby, Amberly, and Kitty, welcome to Earn and Invest. Kitty, I'd like to start with you. Tell us about how you became aware of the financial independence movement and how has it changed your ideas about work? One of the ways that I encountered the FIRE movement was through sheer boredom during COVID. I was curious about where my assets were, and I spent a month last July uh, calling all of my ex-employers and contacting the HR teams to identify the locations of my 401ks and HSAs. And in that conversation point, you know, having a consolidated view of my finances, 
actually allowed me the ability to dream a little bit about where I wanted to take my financial direction, what I wanted my finances to drive in my personal life. Among the software community, there is a concept of you know working while traveling. Flexibility around being an individual contributor really allows us to kind of take our time as needed to express ourselves creatively in our workspace. But of course, you know, the concept of stepping outside and having coffee, you know, whether it's in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or in Turkey with the Turkish coffee is kind of the aspirational connection between self-exploration and the workplace. I think the Turkish coffee tastes much better. I'm hoping so. <laughs> Kitty, tell me, was the pandemic the first time you had truly worked remotely? No. So I've worked partially remote in previous uh, organizations. I actually changed my career so that I could facilitate a more remote work life. So about four years ago, I decided to attend a software boot camp to transition away from kind of a people management workplace that I really didn't see myself flourishing in into becoming this individual contributor type role where I could, again, do my creative thing at work and then you know live my life through, through that. Speaking of flourishing at work, Gabby, tell us how you developed an interest in teaching English or language, I should say. Also, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be talking with you all about this. I always just really wanted to get paid to travel the world and learn other languages. And so the closest thing that I could find to that at that time was teaching English abroad. So I I actually studied international relations, but before I could go do something like work for the UN, which was another dream. I just stumbled into volunteering as an ESL, English as a second language teacher. And then I came across these opportunities like teaching English in Japan through a government program called the JET program. And that's that's how I got started really was going off to Japan after I graduated. And that was my way of getting paid to travel and learn other languages. Getting paid to travel, learn other languages, doing it in person is a far cry from some of what you do today, which is teaching remotely. At the time you began, did you have aspirations to remove yourself from the workplace per se, or had that not formed yet? No, it hadn't formed yet. This time period when I went to teach in Japan was a little bit before all of the online business opportunities. I'll just say it was around 2004. So of course we had internet, but it wasn't such a thing to be working remotely yet. So I arrived in Japan and I realized over time that while it was really an amazing opportunity and so many good things, I had a pretty strict work schedule. And there were times I wanted to go travel and uh, just have more freedom in my schedule. And I didn't quite have that yet. So I was kind of unlocking that, that puzzle of freedom little by little. Amberly, I've recently heard you talk about this idea of saying yes to adventure and how that led to a good decade of travel for you. Back then, was the idea to kind of work wherever you went or A similar question to Gabby, had you ever thought of this idea of working remotely so that you could travel or was it more like I'm going to go to each destination and find a way to make money there? Great question, because I didn't plan much. When I left Ottawa, the goal was actually to leave Ottawa to go anywhere. And I ended up in Los Angeles where I was born, 
I had a sister there and I figured I would work for a bit. A lot of people told me I'd probably come home within six months and and my travels there. And that didn't happen. I stayed for almost two years in Los Angeles and then decided to move to New York City and worked. I uh, was going to work there, but had enough save that I decided to take a little six months and do nothing. And then from New York, I decided to go home to Ottawa, which then led me to an opportunity to go teach in Thailand. So I taught English in Thailand and happened to have a job while I was there because I organized that beforehand. Moved to Tucson, Arizona, got a job at a bar while I was there, and then moved to Australia, which I had actually set up a job to move over to Australia and uh, help with a nutrition and Pilates studio in Sydney, Australia. So some of them were like a one month notice where I found myself a job and ended up moving. And then some of them, I just didn't even bother getting a job because I had enough of my savings account to do whatever I wanted in the area. It's interesting, the disconnect, or maybe the evolution in the sense that I think a lot of people started like you, they wanted to travel and found a way to work around it. And it's only later as this process evolved that people have already started to now think about separating their work life from where they live. Because it's a it's a very different thing, I think, than what you and Gabby started out doing. I think so. And with that, there are rules for every country, whether you can work or not. And so trying to find that way to be able to work in a new country can be a bit overwhelming for people. So it makes sense that not a lot of people would know how to get a job and to make money in another country, you know, if they're coming from, say, the United States or Canada. So, Kitty, I know a lot of people who love to travel, but many of them are content with this idea, work really hard, make money, save up vacation, take a lavish vacation for a week or two, or even longer, and then come back. Why for you, the digital nomadic lifestyle, as opposed to doing that more traditional path? Yeah, there's definitely a community of software developers that pursue the sabbatical concept. And I think for me, you know, I there is definitely some social pressure, right? To explain like, oh, what are you doing as a young 30-year-old woman and not working? You know, aren't gap years for, you know, (laughs) 18-year-olds? And for me, it's, you know, there's a combination of social pressure, but also, of course, trying to keep on track with our financial goals. We are aggressive about living for tomorrow, but, you know, I think as uh, I did this career transition, I'm also eager to live for today as well. And you feel that you'd be more living for today by traveling on a more consistent basis and working wherever you were. Absolutely. It's important to me and our family to incorporate kind of these wishes um, into our day-to-day. It should not be something where you set aside one identity for another. Um, It should be an equal balance for self and also for your productivity in, in society. Gabby, let's talk about Go Natural English. Do you think your wish to travel led to the business or did the business lead to your wish to travel? That's a great question. Uh, I would say my wish to travel led to the business. I was trying to think of how I could free up my time a bit. So Go Natural English started as a YouTube channel where I was thinking, well, I'm teaching every day in the classroom. What if I could take some of these lessons and record them and have them online and then people can learn with these recorded videos while I'm, you know, in Thailand with Amberly or something. <laughs> Just kidding. We never got to meet up in Thailand. But yeah, I think that I, I was always looking at ways to free my time, free my schedule, scale my income, help more people. So that's what led me to 
create the YouTube channel, which became the business. I didn't have a business plan to start out with, by the way. It just kind of developed as I went. Was there a time, Gabby, when you sat down and said, okay, I've been doing this thing where I'm traveling to country to country. I love the travel, but I feel limited by the fact that I have to find a job there and work. I mean, was that part of the thought processes I have to kind of disconnect my income from the specific place I'm living in at the moment? I love the opportunities to take English teaching contracts, but there is, there's always, you know, a schedule. There's, there's always, you know, you need to be in the office from this time to this time, you know, these days. And so I remember one specific incident where I was teaching in Japan and I really like Latin dance. I had heard there was a salsa festival in Sydney and I, I was like, I want to go because I was kind of in the neighborhood in my mind. So I booked my tickets to the festival. I booked my plane ticket. And then I realized I couldn't get the time off, which was poor planning on my part. But, but I was, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'd really like to have a life where I could decide when I take time off and do these things that I really want to do. Yeah. So there was always uh, some limitation on, on my freedom, accepting different contracts. So there was a trade-off. Amberly, I'm listening to Gabby talk about rushing off to catch a plane for a salsa festival <laughs> and thinking about your journey. I mean, you really kicked around for your most of your 20s. Now you found a job you love. Tell us about the transition to stability. Yeah, that's a transition. Going from a lifestyle where, you know, you're not making much money. Well, I wasn't. Uh, some people do. Wasn't making much money, taking odd jobs, starting my own companies, and then just running those and honestly working by myself most days, every day, plugging away at something. I kind of got sick of that lifestyle. And um, just like I didn't have stability. I wasn't working out as much as I'd like to. I've always been really good with keeping up with eating, but specifically the working out I found was a really big motivator for me to stay put in one city. I decided also I hadn't gone to university. So that was my first step of stability was to go to university, which then had the summers and Christmas off. So I spent my summers in Italy, France, uh, Germany, learning German. And so that's what I would do. And almost it's like a, a nice transition from having full travel and doing whatever I'd like to I have to be here for nine months out of the year. I have to work really hard during those nine months and go to school. I work three jobs and then I would take that money and time and go do something else. Then I entered the corporate world, which is even more restrictive. It can be, I'm quite fortunate to work from home, but where you only have two weeks, like true two weeks of vacation. And that's the time that you can unplug. So being able to work nomadically, like going anywhere I want is nice, but that stability, like being able to stay in shape have friends, and then eat the food that I want to in my kitchen has been really, really nice. Do you feel, Amberly, the itch sometimes to get back out on the road? It sounds like you have a corporate job, but you have a corporate job that you could do virtually. Does it ever start occurring to you that, hmm, maybe I could take the next few weeks in Europe or on some tropical aisle somewhere, uh, somewhere the way I used to dream about and, and leave Denver? Yes. My number one priority is always my work, meaning that I have to have a place where I can have good Wi-Fi so I can have my conversations with my customers. The other thing I always have to think of is time zones. So if I'm in a time zone that is the complete opposite of the United States, that's really difficult for me because then I have to be up in the middle of the night having meetings. And again, my work is my priority. That's what pays my bills and can pay for me to be somewhere else. 
Oh, I have done this. I actually spent um, four weeks traveling Scotland, Ireland, and England. And during that time I worked almost, I think I took only one week off in the four weeks. And the great thing with that time zone was I would wake up in the morning from six to like 9 a.m., answer all the communications from the day before. And then from about 2 p.m. to 7, I would take meetings. And that would be you know, the earlier times on the East Coast and Pacific time in the United States. And that worked out really well because I had my middle of the day to go hiking and exploring Scotland. Uh, and then I also had my evenings to go to dinner, uh, go get drinks with friends or people I had met. So I felt there was a really great balance there, being able just to go away. And my work is also quite not flexible, but I would say they support me. And I just went to Greece for a week and a half for fun. And that was, you know, I decided a week before leaving that I would go and my work was really great about it. Kitty, you're listening to Amberly talk about some of the hurdles, right? There are hurdles and things like time zones. There are hurdles in issues with taxation, like where you are, where you can pay taxes, who you work for. What do you think, Kitty, are going to be your biggest hurdles if you decide to leave the U.S. and start your digital nomad lifestyle? I'll likely be traveling with my husband, who um, is brand new to the concept of international travel. So I think one of the key things is for him to feel independence while traveling as well, you know, living through my dream of, you know, connecting myself with the, the global community, the global tribe. So definitely there's aspects of loneliness that come into play. I'm fortunate enough where, you know, when I was interviewing with my current employer, one of the managers in my team was literally living in India for the past two months. And so it was a very clear indication to me as a staffer that, you know, this workplace does prioritize individuals and it does prioritize, you know, remote work. Those are kind of good indicators that they're willing to work with me in achieving, you know, a good productive work life, but also a fun personal life. So Gabby, You've now been doing this for quite a while. Let's talk about what some of the best parts of the nomadic lifestyle are and maybe what are some of the worst? Mm, Okay, great question again. So I have been kind of a digital nomad since around 2015. So traveled to several different countries since teaching English in Japan. And it's been a very enriching experience to be able to stay and do slow travel, you know, stay a month in Germany and three months in Vietnam and a month in Indonesia and and travels in between. So the best parts, I mean, of course, experiencing different places in the world. Wow. Seeing places that, you know, you've only maybe seen scrolling on Instagram, but you get to experience them in person. Of course, the people, I mean, it's always about the people connecting with locals, connecting with other digital nomads or, you know, freedom seekers, just people who really value travel and experience and that freedom. So I loved forming a community of other travelers who I still connect with today in various cities. And just the other day, I connected with an old friend and you know, we were talking about, hey, you know, remember that time in Lithuania and that time we got coffee in Vietnam? And it's just so much fun to share those memories with people. So I would say that's the best part, trying new things and connecting with a, a really unique community of people, global citizens, if you will. I think some of the challenges, Amberly hit on stability, and that's huge for me. So the stability to have a routine, the stability to have a community 
that is in one place and you're doing consistent activities with them versus meeting up with fellow travelers who are then gone the next week, or maybe you're gone the next week. And it's very dynamic, but it's expansive, but it's not putting roots down deep. And so I think there's a time in your life for both and you can kind of go in cycles. And I went out and expanded into the world the last five years or so, but now I've, I've, yes, I I don't like the word settled, but I've, yes, I've, (laughs) I'm in one place and I'm so happy. I have no travel plans (laughs) because now I can put my roots down deep and form deeper bonds with people over time, which is another super great thing. That's a little difficult thing. It's a little difficult to do when you're traveling. I like to call it centered. I think it's important to know who you are and where you stand. And I think I've spent, you know, the past decade centering myself and centering my relationship with my family and community. And that's kind of maybe the best indication where it is time to feel so centered that, you know, it's time to start expanding my tribe. That's the biggest draw. You know, there's a global network of software developers, you know, so I don't hesitate for work, but there is definitely an aspect of it where it's about connecting, you know, your identity outside of work that I'm, I'm looking to expand. We are talking with Kitty Walders, Amberly Grant, and Gabby Wallace about the digital nomadic lifestyle. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. You know what I found the most difficult about investing? It was not just figuring out where to put my money, but also how to actually start investing in the market. I had no idea where to go or how to get my money in. That's why I'm telling people about Public.com. At Public.com, you can invest with any amount of money. You can invest in $1,000 stocks with just $1.00. The ability to buy slices of shares offers more flexibility on what you can add to your portfolio. You can also invest in companies you believe in and share your insights on why you like a stock. That's right. This is a social platform where people get together and actually discuss their choices. When you invest in public.com, you're never investing alone. They make it easy to collaborate and build your confidence as an investor. You can get started with as little as $1, and you'll even get a free slice of stock up to $50 when you join public.com. Just go to public.com slash EAI to download the app and sign up today. 
This is valid for U.S. residents 18 and older, subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking with Kitty Walders, Amberly Grant, and Gabby Wallace about the digital nomadic lifestyle. Gabby, you were talking about being centered, creating a community, being in one place. It reminds me a little bit about the burnout I kind of felt while being a physician. Sometimes something we actually deeply want and experience for many years eventually exhausts us. Do you think there's a burnout aspect to the digital nomadic lifestyle? I think there is. And it depends on your priorities in life at that time. So I think my priorities shifted from wanting to explore a lot and try new things to then wanting to be more centered and spend time around the same people and have a routine, have my little jogging path and, you know, have the same breakfast in my kitchen every day. There's a certain comfort in that. And I think when you're traveling, there's trying new things, but then there's kind of the the flip side of that as like, well, when you try new things, sometimes they don't go as planned. And so you have to have a lot of bandwidth and patience for that. And sometimes when you're balancing, when I was balancing work and trying new things, sometimes it was really great, but sometimes it was like, oh, now I need to, you know, this thing that didn't work out how I thought it would is now unraveling. And my whole day is like trying to find internet or something like that. (laughs) So anyway, there's a great comfort in having your place and your things that you know how they work and things are just, there's a nice routine going. I imagine that Wi-Fi and appropriate internet connection affects digital nomads almost more than anything else. Amberly, let's pivot. The pandemic has done strange things to us, right? In one sense, for this community, it has made working virtually maybe easier than ever. On the other hand, it's also restricted the way we travel throughout the world. You've now been living through the pandemic this last year and a half. Has it changed your beliefs about digital nomadship and and what you want to do in the future? Well, I'm itching to get out there. That is definitely, there's some pent up energy, I think, for all of us to travel, whether it's with work or without work. I actually had a couple of friends who were stuck in countries while they're in the pandemic. And I thought that was a really fascinating experience to watch them try to, they were specifically in Thailand which had a lot of ups and downs in regards to the pandemic and watching them trying to navigate to different cities that had better infrastructure for Wi-Fi, cheaper because they hadn't planned to be there for so long. And you'll start to notice that in digital nomad communities, cost of living goes up. So some people think that you're going to go and actually spend less money. And it turns out you spend either one for one of where you were or more because you're trying new things. So I find these things interesting throughout the pandemic for a couple of friends who are stuck in other countries and again, watching their journey and how they've navigated it. For me, with a pandemic, everyone's working from home. And I think this is the most amazing change (laughs) that has ever happened to the workplace. There are companies who are adamant that people cannot work from home. Their teams wouldn't succeed. Their, Their office would die and their culture would die. And that is not the case. I think employers are seeing that a lot of people can work from home, or happier working from home, doing our laundry in between calls and being productive and being able to work different types of times. So like sometimes at night, because you need to get some really individual work done without people pinging you or during the day. 
And I really do see that as a shift of being people being able to move to cities they never thought they could before. For me, I won't be moving like anywhere in the United States. I love where I live. And but I know other people who have taken this to leap to, say, Austin or actually I know someone who works for Facebook. Yeah. Who's moved to Austin. Gabby also has moved to Austin. I have some friends who've left New York City throughout the pandemic, moved to a smaller community and then have actually moved back and gotten cheaper rent. So now these cities that were unaffordable for a lot of people are now affordable for you to go to. So I think the pandemic shifted a lot of things mentally for companies. Giddy, talk to me about this fear of getting stranded. I remember there was a number of financial independence people who were living the geo-arbitrage lifestyle and traveling throughout Europe and Asia, and frankly found that they had to return to their country of origin and it wasn't easy. And it certainly changed their plans. You ever worry that you're going to finally make the big leap? You're going to go out there and do it. And that COVID is going to restrict you to the point where you have to come back? At this point, we're consciously dipping our toe into the digital nomadic lifestyle. You know, we have stayed in touch with a lot of people that have actually experienced that like one for one lifestyle cost as they're traveling. As far as, you know, whether or not COVID is going to restrict our ability to travel, n- no, you know, people live, <laughs> people survive and people, you know, look for a brighter tomorrow. So I, I don't think, you know, legislation will prohibit too much ability to navigate building our new digital tribe. So something that Kitty is just saying and Gabby said, which is when you're a digital nomad or an expat, whatever you want to, I'm not sure the difference in terms there. When I was younger, I was an expat. There was just starting to be digital nomads. The whole thing is about pivoting. It's always like your your best laid plans never turn out exactly how you think they will. Sometimes they're much greater and sometimes they're, you know, not as good. And so a pandemic is just another pivot point for all of us. It's just something that we have to take into account, understand the rules of the game, and then now play by a new set of rules. And that's like literally what the digital nomad lifestyle is about. Gabby, we've talked about the idea of burnout and the issues about moving around a lot. As you settle down, you've also moved maybe slightly away from digital entrepreneurship to start thinking about real estate. Tell us about that pivot. Yeah. So, I mean, I wanted another source of income besides my online business. And it's just just a way of creating another stream of income, really. Real estate is something I can also do from anywhere, actually. I, I started working on real estate where I was living in Kansas City. However, I see it just as another a way for me to be location independent and have freedom over my time because it's not, it, it's really not so restrictive. I think in the beginning, you put more time in. I was doing rehab projects and building my team and now that I'm a couple of few years into it, I feel a lot more freedom. And so it's actually not that different from having an online business. It's really interesting. I, I'm working with physical you know, properties that exist. And I like that in a way. It's nice to have something tangible to work with, but it's not as different as you'd think. Amberly, speak to that. You've now had some real estate property. You've dipped your toe into that asset. How do you think it's going to affect your ability to move about the world? I love hearing Gabby's story because I feel like we just met each other last weekend and we have very similar trajectories in our lives. (laughs) So I also started purchasing real estate two years ago. It was 2019. I bought my first property. 
with the intention of being an income producing property. So I didn't want to have just a single family home that I lived in by myself or with roommates. I wanted my own space within the home. So I have a duplex. The bottom is an Airbnb. The top is where I live. And this is good for Denver rules when it comes to Airbnb and following those. I bought my second property actually in April of uh, 2021. So this year, and that's also a duplex closer to downtown. And we are turning the basement into an Airbnb. And then the top is a long-term rental. And then that one's ran by someone else. These properties and kind of taking on these physical assets has some stress to it. Uh, Definitely, as Gabby was saying, building a team of handyman, plumbers, electricians that you have people you can trust and call. You can do that from anywhere in the world. I was in Greece having an issue with dryers in both my properties. And I have a handyman, Chuck, that I say, hey, buddy, can you go over there and fix this for them? Or I tell them, hey, can you wait a week before uh, until I come back into town and maybe I'll take a look at it. I don't have time to do that anymore, but I have my, my people to call so I can be overseas and do that. And then the income, I don't invest in properties that only make me $100 a month. I invest in properties that make me a lot more than that. And so the the reward and risk is actually wonderful for me. And just having two properties would allow me to quit my job now. Um, I could stop working if I wanted to. I'm not going to. So the ability to work anywhere and just make those phone calls while having an income that's substantial enough to live off of and save has completely changed my life. Kitty, it's an interesting question because both Amberly and Gabby are talking about pivoting from what they were doing to things like real estate. As you look at hitting the road one day, do you think you're going to maintain the business that you've already built and use the knowledge you already have? Or do you see yourself going into something like real estate or starting a completely new business to fund this lifestyle? Real estate actually was one of the conversation topics that me and my partner have discussed pursuing in as part of our financial independence journey. For us, we're not hesitant to kind of seize those new opportunities. You know, I've already changed my career once. What's another time? What's another time after that? So being confident about the choices you make and pursuing it, you know, full throttle, it's a very important value for our our family. So no, we're not scared. Wherever life takes us, we'll, we'll go. I also enjoy having real estate in a couple different cities because that gives me an excuse to go visit those cities. They are places that I enjoy visiting. And so a couple of few times a year, I go there. And yes, it's business, but it's also fun. They're places I enjoy and I can visit people there. So you know, just being strategic about where you buy real estate for, for your own personal reasons too. So Gabby, let's talk about the future. As Amberly had mentioned, it sounds like you have settled into Austin. Tell me what the future Gabby Wallace looks like. What does her career look like? What are her travel plans look like? Ooh, well, I would say a balance between working on the real estate and the online business. I enjoy both very much and it's fun to have that balance doing both. Travel wise, so after traveling a lot, just nonstop for a few years, I actually enjoy being settled down uh, in one place in Austin. Austin's a great city because it is international. There's a lot of access to different kinds of cuisine and people from all over the world. So I do feel 
you know, if I want to eat Thai food or something, for example, I have access to that. But travel for me right now is looking like taking a week and going somewhere, not nonstop travel for a year. And I, I've decided that for a couple of reasons. One, because I found it to be it's better for me to separate when I want to travel and have fun and when I want to focus on my work. And so when I'm at home and I have my routine and everything, you know, my internet working just how I want it, that's when I can focus on my work. And then when I want to travel, I want to unplug, right? I can work if I need to. I can check my email if I want to, but I want to unplug. I want to enjoy where I am 100% and take advantage of being in that place. Um, Of course, I just talked about combining real estate and travel, but I try as much as possible now to enjoy the travel because sometimes there were moments when I was traveling and working where I felt like I was trying to build my business. So I was very focused on my work. And then I remember, you know, it would be getting late in the day and the work day. And I would think, oh, I should really be out enjoying this location. Like I'm in this exotic, interesting place, but yet here I am on my laptop. So it's, it's a balance. And okay. So the other reason is I have a wonderful dog and I'm really enjoying dog life and uh, just kind of being settled and doing stuff with my dog. Amberly, I watched your head shaking as Gabby was talking, you know, is there a risk that we take travel something we love and make it a little bit less rewarding by tying it to this idea of needing to work and worrying about the internet connection? And maybe having to sit out adventures you'd rather go on because you need to sit at the computer for the next four hours and get done what you need to get done. I mean, my dreams of sitting on the beach with a drink in my hand doing my meetings sounds great. But the reality is my internet would probably be going in and out. The sun would be probably driving me crazy. And I probably couldn't see my computer screen to type in my notes. I mean, it sounds glamorous, but is there a risk of ruining travel for ourselves? 100%. So I recently thought I, again, can take, you know, a week or two off work. So last October, I decided to do a van trip from Vancouver where my partner lived and we have a property there as well. And so we we got a a van from the airport, you know, put a Tempur-Pedic mattress in it and decided we were going to travel up through BC into Alberta and do that beautiful road from Banff to Jasper. I thought that working during that time was a good idea. And it turns out it is not. Thankfully, I did end up taking one week of it off, but we were there for, I think, 10 or or 14 days. I can't remember. It was between like 10 or 14 days. And that first part, I was sitting in the van driving through the mountains, trying to get Wi-Fi whenever or um, data whenever I could. And then I'd be on the computer trying to write up project plans, answer customers, maybe hopping on a Zoom with the internet going in and out. And it was really stressful. And I've done this to myself multiple times where I will not take a Friday off. I will attempt to work most of the Friday while I'm on my way to the airport. And it is, it's not fun. It's stressful for me. And the thing is, it's stressful for the people you're with. So once I was in Cabo and I took that Friday to fly into Cabo, I, you know, end up in a taxi and I'm on a call. Thankfully, all my Friday calls are internal. I'm on a call and this gal, Gabby, who I'm, I'm talking to, she's like, am I hearing someone speaking Spanish in the background? And I was like, oh yeah, that's my taxi driver. I'm in Cabo. And my, my friend who was with me couldn't talk the whole time. Right. So she had to sit there waiting for me, trying to scramble her grabbing the taxi for me. Cause I'm sitting there on my phone and I can't stop because I, I didn't take that time off. And 
I have found it really stressful for me and especially stressful for the people I'm with. Giddy, as you're listening to both Amberly and Gabby, does this give you pause at all? Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, we're fortunate to work in a space where we do have the ability to be individual contributors, but, you know, we're individual contributors in a team. And so I think part of it is finding confidence with your teammates, right? And building that trust with them that, hey, I can still be productive while I'm on the road is step one. But then there's also in the tech field, obviously, the concerns of cybersecurity, right? Making sure that we're able to do our work in a safe manner, both for ourselves, but also for our employers and being able to protect, you know, intellectual property and physical computers (laughs) on the road. Yeah, I wanted to jump in because I was laughing so much uh, when Amberly said you had the issue in Cabo because I also had a work breakdown in Cabo <laughs> with a friend. And, you know, like in the moment, it was really stressful. We had a moment. But now looking back at it, we have stories. We can laugh about it. We all had breakdowns in Cabo. That's <laughs> the end of the story. We're talking with Kitty Walders, Amberly Grant, and Gabby Wallace about the digital nomadic lifestyle. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. We are talking today about digital entrepreneurship, but the conversation also touches on real estate. And if you're interested in real estate, one of my favorite podcasts is the Real Estate and Financial Independence podcast with Coach Carson Here, the coach talks about the tips and tricks to this asset class, but he also has guests on. These are real-life, proof-of-concept people who've made it to financial independence using real estate. I highly suggest you take a listen. It's CoachCarson.com. Again, you go to CoachCarson.com. It's the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast. Take a listen. You won't regret it. We're back with Kitty, Amberly, and Gabby talking about the digital nomadic lifestyle. Kitty, let's say you could snap your fingers and have the life you want right now. Tell me what it looked like. I think that even in the life that I want, I believe that I am a natural creator of things. You know, I do a lot of arts and crafts outside of work. I create software at work. I create community by, you know, doing mentorship with, you know, up and coming software developers. So I think for most of my fire life, (laughs) I think I will still spend my time pursuing different mediums for creating things and entertaining, you know, different concepts of, you know, what life could be. Do I think that travel is always going to be in my life? No, I do think that it is right for me now. So I'm going to pursue it now. Gabby, talk to me about what you think is happening with the digital nomadic community. Is it growing? What do you see happening with it in the future? I think it's growing. I think that with the pandemic, it may have changed and pivoted. That's a good word that came up earlier. People are still traveling, but I don't think it's it's so frenzied and and so just so many travel plans so quickly as I was seeing in 2019. I mean, just people, you know, each week in a different place. And I think a lot of my digital nomad colleagues and friends have slowed down to at least be spending three months in one place as opposed to three days or three weeks. I do think it's growing because 
of course, more people are able to work remotely, whether that's from home or in another country. So I think it will continue to grow. But right now, while we are moving through this pandemic era, it's it's a bit, it's not growing so quickly. Amberly, when I started this podcast, I called Kitty our test case. You traveled throughout your 20s. You are still finding your way through the digital nomadic life, even though you are based out of Denver. Kitty is about to set off on this pathway. What advice can you give her based on your experiences? One of my favorite things that Gabby's touched on before is the community aspect. So things you have to remember is being flexible with people. Plans change for everyone around you. They might, that might mean they leave or they come back. And the greatest thing about being, again, going to a new country, being a digital nomad, is that I find you get deep relationships with people quickly. And so don't be afraid to open up and be vulnerable with people because that's how that really, you might, you might only have one month with someone, but you get to know them better than a lot of the friends that you might've had back home. And that will translate into your life when you do become more centered or settled, whatever you want to call that, because you're going to start to know how to get to the root of who people are quickly. And I think that's just a, a, a skill you'll want to hone as you are traveling throughout whatever communities you're in. The other one is I find that a lot of expat communities will stick together. So some of the best ways to find new people, not at the cafe that you're working at, is through meetup.com and specifically the climbing community. If you ever want to get some climbing shoes on in a harness, uh, that community is the most supportive community. You get to meet locals because it's always a mix of locals and expats. And I find them so encouraging and very uh, good at bringing newcomers into their community without any stigma or judgment. So I, I think that's like something that you should know. And then everything's temporary. So just remember that all these little, these little uh, hiccups and the good parts, they're all temporary. And so just to remember to try and, and take that moment in if you can. And, and yeah, that's it. I love the tip of hanging out with rock climbers and really any sports or dance. You guys know I like to dance and these activities that you can do with anyone, regardless of your language skills, are so helpful for meeting people. I mean, I remember in Japan, I would go to salsa lessons and salsa clubs and and have a nice uh, time just communicating with very few words in the native local language, but still making friends. So there's a lot of activities you can do without necessarily knowing the local language. And Gabby, your evolution has been clear from someone who maybe was 100% digital nomad, who is a little bit less so now. What advice would you give to people just starting on this pathway? Patience. Expect there to be things that don't work out as you imagine them. Just try to enjoy those moments and think about a year from now when there'll just be a funny story that you're telling your friends about your digital nomad experience. I wanted to thank all three of you for coming onto this podcast. You know, I think we've seen the evolution from people who never believed they could travel the world and work to people who embraced traveling the world and working And now the evolution has taken us one step further, maybe trying to embrace this idea of having some of the comfort and stability of a home base, and yet still having the ability to move about the world and integrate your work in such a way that you can do both comfortably. 
The world is changing. The pandemic has pushed us even faster along this evolutionary pathway. And I believe it's people like you three who are going to show us what new paths are possible. I want to end this podcast the way I end every podcast by asking you each what is up next in your life and where we can find you if we want to learn more. Kitty, let's start with you. What is up next in your life? And if people want to reach out to you, is there a way they can? Yeah, so I'm really excited to embark on this next stage in my uh, digital career, digital nomad career. I'll be exploring Costa Rica in the month of November and having the opportunity to connect with their co-working spaces, staying and living there and also working there, you know, so learning about the Wi-Fi. <laughs> as far as uh, how to contact me, I'm easily reachable via email, kittywalders at gmail.com. And I look forward to the next stage in my partner and my uh, digital careers. <laughs> and Amberly, tell us what's up next in your life. And if people want to know more, how can they find you? Yeah, I actually have gone from physical communities to an online community. So I do have a Tuesday Zoom that we talk all things finance. So finance adjacent, just like this podcast is. Not everything's just about 401ks. We meet every single Tuesday. If you do want to get in touch with me to join our group, you can find me on Facebook at Amberly Grant Finance or YouTube, Amberly Grant. And my Instagram is also Amberly Grant. And Gabby, I know living in Austin, one of the greatest carnivals of personal finance and entrepreneurship is coming your way. That is FinCon 2021 coming up at the end of this month. I have a feeling you will be there, but what else is up in your life and what? Yes. where can we find you if we want to know more? Yes. Yeah, so you said carnival and I was thinking Brazilian carnival. I was like, okay. <laughs> not carnival. <laughs> not carnival. Okay. Okay. Carnival of finances, even better. Okay. Well, I'm going to continue to work on real estate, work on my online business, and now share more and more of how that's going, how I did it. And with people who are curious about doing more of that to increase the freedom in their lives. So the best place to reach me is to go to gabbywallace.com. That's G-A-B-B-Y-W-A-L-L-A-C-E.com. And uh, you can sign up for my email newsletter and I keep in touch that way. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I wanted to thank Kitty Walders, Amberly Grant, and Gabby Wallace. That's a wrap. Fun. That yeah. was a lot of fun. I um, yeah. I love this idea of the evolution of what's happened yeah. to digital nomadship. I think what happens so often is we get this cool idea and there's this purism that comes with it. And what I mm -hmm. love to see is when you kind of break through all that BS and say, okay, well, here's what's really good about that. And here's what's not so good about that. And so how do we take it and mold it into what we want it to be? People like Kitty, I think, who came to this a little bit later than you two, really benefit from some of that knowledge. Like you guys were the ones to break through the glass, to do the trial and error, to see what worked and didn't. And I think there'll be a whole generation of people now who are embracing this lifestyle, but doing it again in a way that they can manage better, that allows them some of that safety of a hub. And yet there's those mm -hmm. spokes they jump out to when they want to travel and, 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 and kind of integrate it a little more smoothly than maybe the people who first tried it.
Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. things are going to keep getting better, right? Internet just keeps yeah. getting better everywhere. And I mean, communities are gr growing up everywhere for digital nomads. And so I think it's just going to get smoother and better. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I didn't know what to say about whether it's growing quickly or slowly because you have like the pan pandemic that's making it grow faster, but then it's also like people aren't traveling quite as much. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said about being a pioneer in the community and then those that are being second gen into the community. Um, you know, I get the confidence of already, you know, re reading reviews from people talking about, you know, is there Google Fi or, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what's the SIM card situation there, um, you know, and people that have paved the way so that I can learn from them. Um, there's a lot of uh, those spokes in the in the community, you know, uh, large communities in Indonesia, in Costa Rica, in Lisbon, Portugal. And so learning from the people that are ahead of me has made me feel more confident in pulling the trigger and jumping in um, in a way where you know I could take my husband who's never traveled abroad before <laughs> um, and letting him see life through a bit of a rose tinted glass uh, but at the same time, you know, learn the practicalities of being on the road. Yeah, there's yeah. those um, settled expat communities. Mm -hmm. And so that's also really nice, too, right? Because you know that you may be on a journey, but they aren't. And so sometimes it's nice to drop in and have a group of people that's already there that you can connect with, who know the ropes, who can show you around. Uh, and then you can jump to the next place, to the next established community. Um, oh, there's a site called Internations. I I used it when I was living in Japan to connect with expats that were settled and I ended up meeting a lot of like diplomats and people who were living there two to three years. So maybe check that out. I don't know if it's in Costa Rica, but probably. Yeah. I mean, you touch on a really good point, which is people still develop careers while they're on the road. So mm -hmm. it's important to network both professionally, but also on a personal level. Um, mm -hmm. I At this point, I I'm very happy where, they're, where I'm at professionally. Um, and I think uh, part of it is like looking for that uh, self, right? That self-connection um, growth. So, yeah, it seems like the real devil in all of this is literally connectivity, Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like, that's really the make or break. And I, I mean, I, for the few times I've tried to work from somewhere else, you realize that's either going to make this a pleasant experience or a horrible experience fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. There's that. And then there's also like balancing your desire to go explore all day long and <laughs> yeah. make new friends. I'm going to go sit on long. the beach all day as opposed to work. Right. Well, and like you said that, that, uh, you know, being on the beach, making your phone calls and like, you know, you, we've all seen those photos of people on the beach with a laptop and, and it's like, really, can you even no. see your screen like, yeah. sand getting in the keyboard? Like, yeah. no. <laughs> um, so yeah, some yeah. interesting just Imagining sunscreen all over my computer and just internally dying. Yeah. Well, and one thing I did want to bring up is the idea of a global mindset. So one of the most successful types of travelers are those that have what's called a quote unquote global mindset. And there's three pillars to a global mindset. Um, this was discovered uh, at the, um, the uh, Thunderbird uh, School of Business in Arizona. And the idea is um, the one that you cannot train people is that um, interest in exploring and finding new things and adaptability. So um, Kitty, it sounds like you have that natural interest in exploring and being curious uh, and probably that ability to um, pivot and almost chameleon yourself into a community. I, I would think just based on how I've experienced you at Camp Fi. Um, so 
that is actually something like I used to have a partner who doesn't have that. And traveling with them was really difficult because everything, every time something went wrong or didn't understand the language or the, um, you know, the, the routine was split to what we, you know, not his normal routine, it would be really taxing on him. Uh, and so that global mindset's really, really important when traveling. And again, there's like three pillars of it, which is like one is easy. It's understanding the local language, like knowing that there's a different language. What's the currency? What's the political views of the country? What's the physical location? The other one, um, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but that third one is the most important part. Yeah, it, really it, it's, yeah it's, it's a key point that um, I think people feel like they can just show up and be ready. Yeah, and yeah. and it sounds like what you guys have found is that you, you need to do a certain amount of research. Like you need to know the communities there. You need to know the connectivity. You need to know simple things. How am I going to get around? How am I going to pay for things? How am I going to communicate with people? And uh, those that fail to take that initial work seriously, I think, find themselves quite unhappy. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and with that, it's them thinking that wherever they are, like, America will come with them. Yes. Uh, North America will come with them. You know, again, Canada, US, even Mexico. It's very easy here. And it's not the same Mm -hmm. in most countries. Um, And you have to be ready for that pivot. And you can never, you cannot ready yourself here. Like things are too easy. So that third pillar of the global mindset is one that you're going to exercise over time. And you're going to get better and better at with every travel, as long as you don't crash and burn and decide to never return. Yeah. Understanding the cultural values too. I'm not sure. Maybe you said that, but like cultural values. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's not just the language. It's not just the currency. It's like, what do people find acceptable or not, you know, and, and blending in a bit. Um, super important. Cool. Doc, I thought maybe we were going to talk more about like money tips for digital nomads, you know, like, like combining. Yeah, no, no? Okay. Me, well, you, you, you can't, no, you can. It's just, I have to tell you that for me still, most of the joy is in mindset stuff. Okay. Like, why do we do what we do and what it means? Um, and I do less, I mean, I, occasionally, but I really do much less tactical. Okay. So hopefully you can, you can certainly talk about it now. If you want, we can clip some of it in if you want to, but. Uh, you know, (laughs) know. yeah. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the daily crunch podcast from TechCrunch. with new episodes every day. This podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts.